Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, Giants fans, welcome. Pat Leonard here from Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. Welcome to the episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, live Q&A after the Giants' 30-12 loss to the San Francisco 49ers here in California. First, just want to tell you guys about Bet Online, and then we'll get right into your questions. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds from Week One all the way up to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where I am starting is with Clayton Ryer. Hello, Clayton. Hello, Hunter. Welcome, guys. Clayton says Can someone explain why Jalen Hyatt isn't the feature of the offense? Um, for if nothing but loosening up the defense, horrible game plan on both sides of the ball. So let's go to the numbers. Jalen Hyatt played only 15 offensive snaps. This coming after Jalen Hyatt made arguably the two most explosive plays of the Giants' only win so far. I agree. Questionable why he wasn't more involved. I think one reason is run blocking for receivers that they need. I believe that Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, these are these are guys that the Giants trust. They ended up having Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger both on the field a lot in this game. You have to compensate without Saquon Barkley, and you would think that that would mean putting explosive players like Hyatt on the field, but you also have to think about protecting Daniel Jones and making sure that uh, you know you have a capable way of moving the ball down the field, not necessarily just taking it in large chunks. The problem, of course, is that the Giants didn't do that either. They only had 150 total yards of offense in this game. They were outgained 441 to 150, and that's just completely unacceptable, um, you know, 150 yards in an NFL game. I know you're playing a Super Bowl contender in the San Francisco 49ers, but uh, that's, that's really tough to stomach. Hey, Doug, what's going on, Hunter? All right, Hunter says, I agree with that. I don't remember hearing his name once on TV. There was one deep shot they called to Hyatt um, in the first half where Daniel Jones was pressured and wasn't able to get the ball out to him. So they did not not take a shot to him. But uh, honestly, guys, I, I think I've been saying this since the spring in training camp where you have Jalen Hyatt is a guy that has needed to learn about the routes that he's running. Uh, the Giants need to know that they can trust him. And so far, as I move here to get away from uh, some other loud radio folks here in San Francisco, so far Jalen Hyatt hasn't completely mastered the playbook necessarily. And so that's part of the reason why I believe that they're not giving him a full workload because he has certain things he's doing really well, but he's still picking it up. And I think rookies in general are like that. Like Hyatt definitely has a good handle on the playbook now can, compared to where he was in May and June. Um, but I think that 
they're putting the guys on the field that they trust the most in these spots. So it's definitely something to monitor, though, because we all saw in Arizona what Hyatt was able to do to help open up the offense. All right. Uh, Hunter says yards after the catch killed us. Yeah. Um, and that's how the Niners kill everybody is Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. These guys breaking tackles, uh, Kyle Shanahan scheming them open and out in space, breaking tackles as well. But we have said this for three straight weeks now. The Giants are really struggling to tackle. I thought Micah McFadden played out of his mind, played a great game, uh, was really impressed with him. But, um, you know, too many missed tackles. I thought Jason Pinnock uh, took some questionable or bad angles to the football and some big plays in the first half. And I think, you know, you're seeing the first guy to get to the ball usually isn't making the play. Sometimes he's slowing the runner down, but he's needing people to come in and help and finish the job. Now, a good defense does rally to the football and get multiple people in on it and uh, finish plays together. So it's not like that's not part of a good defense. But I don't think there's enough Giants taking care of their man when it's one-on-one with a ball carrier, that's for sure. Okay, Doug says, any takeaways or surprises from Dable postgame? Um, you know, he did not overreact to the news of Barkley's high ankle sprain coming out. He said that Saquon is walking around and was doing considerably well, but then told Dable on Wednesday that he couldn't go on Thursday. I think the coach is really just keeping whatever he has information on that under his hat or feelings he has about that under his hat. But I wrote about this in the Daily News, too. I mean, obviously, Barkley's absence made a huge difference here. And Daniel Jones and Darren Waller struggled to connect. Um, I thought one interesting thing was talking to Darren Waller and Brian Dable about those two big plays that Jones and Waller failed to hit on. One was at the end of the first half where Daniel Jones had Waller open over the middle, looked like he put it on him, and Waller dropped the ball, had room to run, too. And then in the second half, there was a deep over route that Daniel Jones threw it high and behind Waller, and it tipped his hands, and he wasn't able to catch it. Now, Kirk Herbstreit was saying on the broadcast, basically every time something went wrong in a pass to Waller, he was putting it on Waller. Um, Dable said that the second pass, the one in the second half, was, uh, was too high of a throw by Jones. And that was one where he was not under pressure, and you can't miss a throw like that. Um, I thought that Waller dropped the other one and should have had the one in the first half. Interestingly, talking to Waller, he felt like both passes were like the first one was out in front of him is how he put it. So, you know, not right on the money kind of deal. But he also said he needs to help his quarterback there and he needs to uh, make those plays. His exact quote, I believe, was he said, you know, no excuses because it was in my catch radius. So if it's in my catch radius, I have to catch it. Uh, Al says not blocking Nick Bosa inside your own 10 yard line is quite the strategy. I don't think that's what cover zero is supposed to mean. Um, yeah, I, that looked like, um, sometimes, sometimes coaches outthink themselves and that might've been one of those plays there where Daniel Bellinger is, uh, tasked with cracking down on Nick Bosa and it's just not a play where one-on-one he's going to win. Right. So, um, conversely the Niners at one point, through a running back over at Kayvon Thibodeau, which I found extremely interesting, um, having a running back block Kayvon. Now, Kayvon uh, did kind of push past the running back on the play, but it was enough time to buy for Brock Purdy to make the throw. Uh, but on that play with Bosa, I think that was just Dable and Kafka, frankly, maybe out thinking themselves a little bit, especially in that scenario where you're backed up against your own goal line. 
Fortunately, Jamie Gillen, I thought the punter had a really good game. Obviously, he's had uneven games as well. But I thought Jamie Gillen uh, really did a good job tonight. That 60-yard punt dug the Giants out of a hole there where they really could have been um, in bad shape and the game could have gotten away for them. I do think that the Giants had people on every side of the ball, well, I'd say defense and special teams, um, make plays to keep them in this game, right? I think they had people make plays to keep them in this game at times. They forced some field goals where the Niners could have had touchdowns. Um, There were some good things to take. But all of that said, here, let me read, let me tell you this quote from Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson said, if we did our job, we would have won the game. We play hard, we play with grit, with will. But if you lose, it doesn't matter. We didn't execute, we didn't tackle, and we didn't get off the field on third down. So, you know, there were players and people in the Giants locker room selling kind of the moral victory aspect of, you know, we hang, we hung with them for a while, um, that kind of sentiment. But I think that largely this is a game where the Giants walk away disappointed because I think another way to look at it is they brought, they played some good football at times and they still lost by 18. And it was still evident by the end of the night that even though they did fight for a long time, uh, that they weren't in the same class as the team they were going against. And even though the Niners are, of, of course, supremely talented, this was a first-round quarterback going against a seventh-round quarterback. Now, of course, that's not necessarily fair because it's not a one-on-one game. But I do think, listen, you guys know, I'm not a proponent of Saquon Barkley you know, being paid like a wide receiver. Um, but I think I was in the middle ground of he deserves what he what he's worth, but he's not, you know, the incredible Christian McCaffrey type player. Now, that said, I thought the Giants missed him badly in this game. I think it's obvious that without Saquon Barkley, there's a lot less for the Giants to distract the defense with. The defense doesn't have to key and focus in on him. And even though the Giants still have athletes and players who can make plays, you know, from Darius Slayton to uh, Darren Waller to Paris Campbell, you know, Matt Breda had some hard runs. Gary Brightwell had a nice play, but I just think Saquon does present that element of the threat, even if he's not necessarily always making the home run play. I mean, he hasn't been perfect either. We know that he had, uh, you know, two drops in the first two weeks that ended up in interceptions. So he's not perfect. Right. But I think the, his presence on the field and his absence on the field makes a huge difference. All right, let's go to Mark. Mark Thompson. What's up, Mark? Mark says the offensive line is keeping this team back, is holding this team back on offense while tackling is doing it on defense. There are uh, there are other things, but I see those as the main ones, right? So tackling and the offensive line. Well, I would say that the offensive line, I honestly, it hasn't been great. I've I expected it to be worse than it was tonight. Um I do think the Giants had some penalties really kill them. You know, they had penalty from Josh Azudu. They had a false start on Daniel Bellinger. Um, you know, they just had penalties here and there where the offense wasn't getting anything going. And then a penalty on second down that puts you at second and 13 instead of second and eight or whatever it is. It just kills drives, right? Those plays just kill drives. Uh, the Azudu face mask, that was a killer. And, you know, the Giants just kept making plays at the end to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, you know, disappointing, disappointing. Really un- interesting, too, that tonight was a combination of the Giants fighting 
but also still not matching up in any way um, really at the end with the Niners. Um, you know, I, I do salute the defense and Darren Waller did say that too. He said, you know, salute to our defense for really holding them to field goals and fighting hard. And they did fight hard. So that was encouraging. But, um, you know, I think in the end, you're just left as a Giants fan and as a Giants player, even like, you know, gauging their reactions in the locker room, just wanting a lot more. Just checking out something here on my phone real quick. Lots of moving parts here. I'll bring you some injury updates in just a second. All right. So uh, a couple injury updates. Number one, Evan Neal told me directly he's fine. He turned his right ankle at the end of the game, but he said he's okay. Number two, Deontay Banks, the corner. Um, he said he thought he, he said he got need in the left arm, like right near his bicep. Uh, it was swollen. He doesn't know exactly what it is, but he says it's painful. Um, he thought it was Debo on one of his runs where his knee got him, and uh, he just never came back in the second half. DJ D- Davidson had a huge uh, like black and blue bruise on his left arm right near his elbow. Um, you know, don't know what that's going to mean for availability or absence or whatever. Don't know exactly what's going on there. Banks is going to have to get more tests tomorrow to see where he's at. Um, oh, and Mark, as far as tackling on defense, yeah, outside of Micah McFadden, I think, you know, tonight was just a reminder that they're still not wrapping up. They're still not getting guys to the ground. I don't think the Niners are a good team to gauge yourself on when it comes to tackling because they're so tough to bring down across the board. Um, I will say this. I thought there were definitely times where Debo Samuel was coming downhill and there were some giants who did not, uh, did not step in front of him. Let's say that. (laughs) And I don't blame him either. I mean, guys are freight train, but you know, that can't obviously, that can't be the way that, uh, that you play, you know, you, you have to, you have to stick your nose in there. It's the NFL. Hunter says, as a whole, big picture, definitely better than the first six quarters. Made some good steps in the right way. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, they didn't throw in the towel in the game, right? Um, and I do think that the defense played with some pride early. There's no question about it. But uh, discouraging because, the, you know, they're going to play more top-tier teams. They're going to play the Dolphins in two weeks, the Seahawks who are coming up at home. The Seahawks are a good team. The Seahawks are going to be ready. Um, they score points. Any team that scores a lot of points is a team that the Giants are going to struggle with. Okay? You know, the the, the Cardinals, they did end up coming back and beating them and scoring a lot in the second half, even though the Cardinals were up big at half at 20 to nothing. But that's one of the worst defenses and teams in the league. If they play the Seahawks, who are scoring 30 points, if they play the Dolphins, who are scoring 30 points, if they play the Bills, who are scoring 30, 35 points, those are games that are very difficult for the Giants to win, especially without Saquon Barkley. You know, as I wrote in the Daily News for tomorrow's paper, maybe running backs do matter, at least for the Giants. Uh, Al says on the second throw to Waller, DJ didn't set his feet and step into the throw despite a fairly clean pocket, which caused the overthrow. looks like he was seeing ghosts a bit. Al, I agree. There was no excuse for missing that throw. That's a good breakdown. Al also says DJ did the same thing in week one on the throw to Hyatt that was behind him. And in week two on the go route to Slayton that he underthrew, seeing ghosts and not setting his feet and stepping into it. 
Al, you could do my job, man. You're seeing it all. You see it all. I mean, I don't know if it's seeing ghosts necessarily as much as missing the throw. Um, I, in the Dallas game, he definitely sped up his processing and was seeing pass rushers even when they weren't there. There's no question about that. I'm not sure if he did that in these last two games um, or if it was just bad fundamentals, like you said. It could be that he's looking for pressure to come. And somebody mentioned the offensive line early on. Uh, Mark mentioned the offensive line early on. And we we know this, but let's just put this out there. The Giants offensive line, they have had a start, a different starting offensive line now in each of their first three games. Okay. Each of their first three games. You know, does this game make you say it's time to sign Justin Pugh? Um, or do you look at this game and say, well, if we got a better left guard, it still wouldn't matter because we have so many other issues. You know, that's another question I think that you have to ask. Guys, uh, just a reminder, we do this once a week, midweek, and then after every game as well. Post-game live chats, live Q&As, and then midweek live Q&As on the Giants. I will advertise them on my Twitter, on my Instagram, and on YouTube as well um, as an upcoming scheduled live chat. Uh, you can pay for super chat. So to have your chat or your comment elevated to the top and highlighted, uh, you can pay for super stickers as well. And that will be something that I would answer immediately, even if you were deep down in the chat and you just got in. But if you want your something answered, you can do that as well. Um, the Talking Ball podcast, we also pu- we publish these live Q&As on our podcast feed as well on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. So if you ever miss them, don't worry, you can go and listen to the audio uh, wherever you get your pods. Um, so just some reminders there. And we'll go to the next question we have. Let's see. Mark says penalties as well, for sure. But the help you have to give to the O-line limits your offensive options. Mind you, I thought they played better than expected, but still an issue, not good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where Hyatt's playing time comes in. I have to admit that was something I intended to ask Dable about after the game, like where the heck Hyatt was and why he wasn't on the field as much. And um, I'm not sure that was asked, which uh, that's us dropping the ball. Um, I was asking him about the injuries, about Saquon, about uh, Waller and Daniel, which I felt were, you know, key key moments to the game. But that's something we have to follow up on on Monday for sure on Hyatt. Uh, any idea why DJ Davidson was active over Jordan Riley? Obviously might change with Davidson's injury analysis, Doug. Um, listen, Riley's a late round rookie. And, um, you know, Davidson's a guy who hasn't been healthy, finally gets healthy. And he had a half a sack in this game. I think he's been getting some push on the interior. And, um, you know, Riley, listen, anytime these rookies don't play a lot, you have to remember that they are still learning the offense, the defense, the playbook. So they might do a few things really well, but they might not have their hands and arms wrapped around around the full scheme. And, you know, if Wink and Brian Dable look at the defensive tackle rotation right now, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Nacho Roches, and Ashawn Robinson. So then what type of player do you need in that rotation, right? Do you need a guy who um, is going to be athletically powerful or do you need a guy who can plug the hole and try to stop the run and then make some moves off of that with the strength, which is what Davidson can be? Uh, you know, I also think that the Giants are giving a lot of guys opportunities. It's it's un, it's not a good thing, obviously, if 
no one is good enough to simply lock down a job. Um, but the Giants do have a lot of young players, and they're trying to develop them and play them in the right schemes and schematic ways uh, to help their team. So when you're playing against like a team like Christian McCaffrey and the Niners, maybe you're looking for a, a bigger guy who can plug the middle like Davidson. Um, you know, so those are things to remember as well. But that's something to dig into also how much Riley, um, you know, what does he have to work on? How does he get back in the lineup? All those things. Mark says 49ers are a physical team. How do you go from a top tackling team last season to this bad now? I do think they miss Julian Love. I mean, he was their top tackler last year. Um, I think Jason Pinnock did lead them in tackles in Arizona, in Arizona but, um, you know, I think when he targets on blitzes and he gets involved on like specific pressure situations, I think he's got a lot of resilience and he's feisty. Um, but I don't think that the fundamentals on this team, guys like Pinnock, uh, they have young guys like Trey Hawkins is really struggling at corner right now. Um, you know, especially in the tackling department. I mean, on that, that one where Debo bro broke three tackles, Trey Hawkins didn't even touch him. He didn't even touch him. I mean, holy cow. That was a, an eye-opening play there. Um, I do think, Mark, though, just to put a fine point on the tackling, I think the Giants need to stick their noses into these tackles and, you know, uh, put a hat on somebody and be physical. I think that the number one quality the Giants need to continue to demonstrate as a team is toughness. Uh, their defense did fight in this game. That's what I liked. Uh, Micah McFadden leading the way but I think they need to keep doing that. I think they need to keep meeting people toe to toe because we didn't see that enough in the first two weeks. At least we saw that in this game. Hunter says, how was Wandale feeling after his first game back? Um, you know, he was okay. He uh, obviously was extremely limited in his snap counts, 10 snap counts, five targets, four catches, 21 yards. Uh, they actually targeted him on his first four snaps. So, for the first four snaps he was in into the third quarter, it was like they were specifically putting him on the field to get him the ball. Um, and so that's how they were limiting him. So something that they're going to try to build up with Robinson coming off the ACL last year, clearly. Um, Raphael says, let's just blame DJ for every loss. Now, I'm not I'm not blaming Daniel Jones solely for this loss at, by any means. Uh, I did say, though, Raphael, if you were in here earlier, uh, Waller Waller mentioned that he felt like both of those throws they didn't connect on were not perfect, but of course he has to help out his quarterback and try to make them. Brian Dayball said the second one um, was high. So the one that was high and behind Waller, as I said on Twitter, and a lot of people were saying, no, Pat, that's, that's a catch he has to make. Um, I think the coach agreed it wasn't a good enough throw. Uh, but no, we're not blaming this all on Daniel, but Raphael, I mean, they had 150 yards of total offense. I mean – so that what the quarterback doesn't take any blame either. Or, I mean, what are we talking about here? I would love to hear your response, Raphael, because that's what we're here for is to kind of have this back and forth co uh, conversation and communication. So I'd like to know what you think about Daniel Jones in this game and context and how much blame he deserves. Doug says, do you have any update on Justin Pugh? Can he fly back with the team? You were on top of it from the start. Thanks, Doug. I was, we were on this in August talking about how there could be interest and in how Pugh would love to return if possible. Um, you know, they obviously have needs on the offensive line. He would be left guard. And just so people understand, if they were to sign Justin Pugh, hypothetically, that wouldn't be to replace Ben Bredesen. Ben Bredesen has been their best guard. It would be 
Andrew, like if everyone were healthy, it would be Andrew Thomas left tackle, Justin Pugh left guard, John Michael Schmidt center, Ben Bredesen right guard, Evan Neal right tackle. That I, but I believe that's what it would look like if they signed Pugh. Uh, no update yet. I think. Listen, there's this what 11 day gap before their next game. I think it would make sense that if something were going to develop with the Giants and Justin Pugh and lead to a contract, that it would happen in this window. Um, I think that's going to have to do with how Joe Shane and the Giants step back and evaluate their team off of this game specifically. Um, you know, does this game make them pay Justin Pugh to come to the Giants, or do they say, well, you know, we've been rotating guards and we just don't think our guards are the problem right now. We have a lot of other things to worry about. That could be possible too. Uh, but I definitely think the offensive line has to be a priority. And I was saying it from the start, the offensive line in the secondary, offensive line in the secondary, offensive line in the secondary. And that's where that's what's rearing their heads right now. Um, let's see. Antonio says, I was surprised Eric Gray didn't even get one carry tonight. I was too, Antonio. I was too. I know Eric Gray didn't show he could pass protect well in the preseason, um, but I know Joe Shane and Brian Dable love putting young guys on the field. Uh, Matt Breda is a guy they trust, of course, Gary Brightwell too. Um, But I did think Eric Gray was going to factor in. Surprised he didn't factor in at all. Mark Thompson says, I don't recall seeing Shep out there. He is too good not to be getting more snaps, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. Didn't even look like there was even ever a chance he was going to be on the field. Um, so that's something to follow up on as well. Hyatt's usage, Shepard's usage, all of that. Um, Antonio says, do you expect Andrew Thomas to play next week along with some of the other injured guys? Um, you know, I don't know what to think right now because Dable and Andrew Thomas were telling us before the Arizona game he had a chance to play in Arizona, and then he doesn't play in Arizona or San Francisco. Then Dable's telling us Saquon might play against the Niners, even though he had, turns out he has a high ankle sprain and he's probably going to be out three games. So, a lot of uh, questions and um, honestly, some curious developments with the reporting of all this, um, you know, these injuries with the Giants. So it's hard to read. I would say with that much time to recover, I would think and hope that Andrew Thomas would be ready. Um, you know, some of the other injured guys, I mean, Deontay Banks, I guess it's favorable that you have this long break to try to get him healthy again. But at the same time, we don't know what it is yet. So he said his arm hurts. He's in pain. So we're going to see what the MRIs and the tests show uh, probably on Monday, I would think, back in New York, the team flying home on their way to the airport right now as we speak. Cassie Stewart. Hey, Cassie, how you doing? Thanks for joining. I'm a Cowboys fan, but I was rooting for you guys tonight for two reasons. I hate the 49ers with a passion. <laughs> And Jalen Hyatt is a friend. I was his recruit hostess when he committed to Tennessee. Wow, interesting, Cassie. Yeah, so you were probably as disappointed as everyone else on this chat that Jalen didn't play more in this game after being such a a huge factor in that Arizona game. Um, You know, I I agree with all the Giants fans who say, listen, you see that kind of explosive speed. You got to find it and put it on the field. I mean, it's an element that no one else has that he has. Then again, the Giants really did have to uh, adjust to Saquon Barkley's absence and the Niners' pass rush and how to try and attack that team while also protecting Daniel Jones and themselves. Of course, it results in 150 yards of offense um, and 12 points. So extremely disappointing there. 
Uh, but Cassie, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Jalen as well, since you know him so, so well. Maybe Cassie, you could tell us um, a quality about Jalen that makes him the player and the competitor that he is, and then why you think he's going to succeed and earn more snaps with, with the Giants as we go. Um, Al says, how do we more or less look like the same team as last year playing a harder schedule? Despite everyone we added in the offseason, it's confusing. Hopefully we continue to get a bit, bit better each week. I do think that the team is still coming together from a leadership standpoint. Um, I think Nick Gage, John Feliciano, Julian Love were key parts of the fabric of the team last year and the makeup and the internal leadership. Not that they don't have leaders now, but I really do think that um, – from that standpoint of the team's makeup and the locker room and uh, how they bring it every week. I do think the giants are starting, are still figuring out uh, who they are, who's going to step to the forefront, who's going to step up. Um, I thought we, frankly, even though he's a young player, I thought we saw Micah McFadden do a little bit of that in this game. Um, So that was encouraging, but also it's discouraging. And Al, listen, I mean, I say this a lot of times when we do these live chats, but, I do feel like I was telling fans the truth in the preseason when I said I picked them to win seven games when a lot of people were picking them to win nine or ten. And I said that I thought it was possible that they look like they're more talented, but they have a worse team and record. And there's a lot of factors behind that. I also think injuries, listen, they really struggle to stay healthy. Every year this is a problem. Every year. Um, You know, really disappointing. Hunter says, if Pew was to sign with us, is he healthy enough to possibly start playing sooner rather than later? Justin Pugh, um, my understanding in August was that he was um, working out already and beginning to ramp up and that it was probably going to be a situation where he signed somewhere early season and then hopefully was playing by midseason. Of course, you know, we are already now in week three and the Giants will be heading into week four now. So um, I would think that I, I don't know the exact timetable, but I would think that uh, Pew, if he were to sign somewhere, would get in the building for a week or two and then hopefully be able to play. That's my like rough feel from having talked to Justin in August about it extensively. Um, you know, so I would think it would be like a you know, within the next month type thing, if he were to sign or within the next month and a half, you know, something, something like that, where you're inching towards the mid season and you're getting the person in the building. Because obviously remember, if you sign somebody as a free agent, they're taking a physical coming in. So if the giants were signing him, but he wasn't able to play until December, you know, and the, and the physical showed them that, and they didn't feel confident in him, then it would be kind of silly to, you know, spend money on a guy like Pew when he's not really going to help your team turn its season around early enough. So I think obviously it's obvious to me, at least that because they worked him out, um, you know, it's something that they are considering to help the team sooner uh, within the next several weeks, if they were to sign him. Doug says, were you able to see anything on the sidelines regarding the Dable play calling conspiracy? I just felt like I saw some of the same of him covering his mouth with a play sheet and uh, looking down at the play card a lot, it was a smaller one, almost like a condensed version of what he was holding the other day in Arizona. Uh, but definitely looks like he's extremely involved. If I had to guess, I would say that he's been more involved in making suggestions or demands, depending on, you know, the play to play 
to Mike Kafka, who is then either calling a play himself or relaying what Dable wants to Daniel Jones. That's how it feels right now. But of course, we're not getting direct answers on that. But that's how it feels to me at the moment. Of course, uh, it would be tough for Brian Dable, um, you know, to necessarily take credit for anything at this moment for play calling because while he looked like he saved the day and the Giants saved the day in Arizona, if he were calling the plays for this game as well, they just scored 12 points and had 150 yards of offense. So, uh, but again, I really do think a lot of this, um, you know, I'm not the pound the table for Saquon Barkley guy. I think he's a really good player. I don't think he's transcendent, uh, but I think he's very good. And I do know for a fact, talking to coaches and players around the league, that at the very least, Saquon makes you prepare to stop him, right? Because teams know if they don't commit enough resources to him that uh, they will pay. So I think that a huge part of this game was the Giants just not being able to put the Niners on their heels in any way without having number 26 on the field. I mean, the only touchdown they scored was when they got the ball at the 37-yard line because of a – you know, interference on a punt returner. Doug says, do you think Lemieux stays left guard until Bredesen gets healthy? I would think that Ben Bredesen would be out of the concussion protocol, hopefully by uh, 11 days from now, we'll be able to play in the Seattle game. We'll see. Um, But that'll be something to monitor. Guys, remember when we do these, you can hit the like button, hit the thumbs up button, please. Um, That helps us get engagement. That helps YouTube kind of pushes it into more people's feeds. It brings more people on here. I'm actually really uh, excited and um, about the fact that it's, what, one o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, um, and we have several people joining and engaging right now, just like this was a one o'clock start. Really impressed with you guys. Um, remember, we do this every week, post-game live Q&As on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube page if you don't already. It's at PL on NFL. We have a lot more content coming and always refreshing in the feed, YouTube shorts and all that. Check out my arrival videos on Instagram. If you didn't, I have a lot of fun with those. Um, And of course, the stories that I'm writing on the Daily News website as well. Also, I've been dipping my toe in the water with Sean Marash on one giant uh, step with Odyssey. I've done a couple episodes of those the last couple weeks. Go check those out as well. That's been a lot of fun, Um, you know a big Giants fan who's also excellent on the radio and Sean and uh, me, somebody who's an insider with the Giants, the covering them since 2016. I think it's a really good mix. Uh, let's see. Hunter says, Dable didn't look too pleased with Giants players playing into the physical after the play stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And Ashawn Robinson was extremely uh, difficult after the game was just kept saying, I don't know to every question about things said he stuck up for his teammates, uh, but definitely was a lot of extracurriculars there from both teams, frankly. Um, yeah, good good uh, insight there, though, Hunter. I, I agree with you. Al says, I wish the Giants would put a good team in around Daniel so we could really see how good he is. At some point, though, the conversation needs to go from how good he could be. Things were different to what he has actually done. And that's where I, I stay, Al, honestly. I mean, because if you're, if you're going to sit there and say that they finally have pieces around him with Waller and Saquon and all this stuff. Then um, when things go badly with those players around them, now whose fault is it? This is something Raphael brought up earlier was like, well, are we really going to blame everything on Daniel was no, we're not blaming everything on Daniel, but he's certainly a part of a 30 to 12 loss where the offense has 150 yards. I mean, you're paying the guy $40 million a year on average. And um, you know, 
Saquon Barkley just is an important part of this offense. I think Daniel and he both thrive off each other. And I think one without the other, they struggle. I said this before the season. I'll say it again. If the Giants have Waller, Daniel, and Saquon on the same field for, for a game, let's say 12 to 14 times this season, that's much different than if they have those two on the field together, you know, five to eight times or eight to 10 times or whatever it is. You know, if it's 10 times versus 15, those are really different to have your three top weapons on the field together. It just feels like the Giants are always missing somebody key and they were missing Andrew Thomas. They were missing Aziz Ojolari. They were missing Saquon Barkley. They're missing Ben Bredesen. You know, you have Deontay Banks now hurt, DJ Davidson. I mean, the injuries are starting to pile up. This is uh, this is a concern as much as the one and two record. This is a concern. Let's see. Sivan. Hey, Sivan, how you doing, man? Welcome back. Says, I think they just gave up before coming to the game. No creati- creativity with play calling. They just want to get out of the game without major injuries. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that, respectfully. I do think, well, I do agree there was not enough creativity in their game plan. I do agree with that. Um, I don't think they just wanted to get out of this clean with no injuries. I mean, I think they played hard enough early to keep themselves in it, and they wanted to uh, win the game. I mean, I just I just think they struggled to be creative, and they also just didn't have enough talent to compete. Um, you know, disappointing, though. I mean, disappointing. And I think before this game, I was telling people I thought the score was going to be 38-10, to 10, ended up 30-12. to 12. Not too far off. The Niners, by the way, have scored 30 points in each of their first three games. Uh, Michael says, do you think teams are starting to figure out Wink's defense? No, I mean, uh, you know, the the pressure they put on Brock Purdy early I thought was flustering him, and the defense kept the Giants in this game for as long as they could. Um, I do think, though, we were talking earlier about their tackling, and the Niners are a very difficult team to bring down, but the Giants' tackling has been abysmal. I don't think it's the defense and the scheme as much as much as it is the players just aren't making any plays. You know, um, even a Dory Jackson said like on that one on the first drive where Brock Purdy threw it right at him that he did kind of uh, drop to the ball and drive to the ball, but he didn't play it hard enough. He 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 thought he was going to be able to catch it like this, but he should have kind of driven on it, and you know, forced his hands through but he didn't know that George Kittle was where he was. He thought he was alone on the field there. Um, So that was tough. Speaking of Aziz, Hunter says, would you expect him back for the Seattle game? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Um, You know, I don't know that. I know Aziz has not been like as obviously around as Andrew Thomas has been. I mean, he's around, but I'm just saying like, he's, he's kind of been behind the scenes more, uh, which tells me obviously he's disappointed, but, also makes you feel concerned that maybe it's something that he's going to take his time getting back with. Sivan says, yep, tap- tackling is putrid. So much yak. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, I had, was really disappointed, too. In the, watch, the, watch the wide receiver screen to Debo Samuel for the 30-yard gain on uh, third and 15, I think it was, on that one drive in the first half. Watch Jason Pinnock on that play. It's like he has a way to get to Debo to the right past a block that's already being made, and he runs right into the block and gets caught in the wash as Debo's going by him. Um, you know, I don't know what that's about, but
but you got to get to the ball. You got to make the play. You got to slow the guy down. It's like when you're guarding someone in basketball, at least make them turn to the other, at least make them cross over and go the other way. Even if you're not going to actually stop them, like just provide some resistance. Al says someone should ask Darius Slayton if the giants are better at tackling than T-neck high school. <laughs> well said, well said. That was a great line from Slay. Do you know why our corners play so far off the receivers? Michael says, Hmm. I'll ask about that. Um, we, you and I both know Michael that uh, Wink Martindale likes to play press man. So usually when he's not playing press man or get having guys up on the line physical, it means that uh, they're not trusting the corners to be able to play that way and then stay with the receivers because in order to do that as a corner, you have to be physical at the line, but then you also have to be able to recover because you're also giving the receivers an opportunity to kind of get a step on you faster if they kind of get free of that physicality you're bringing to them at the line. Um, yeah, I'll gain three to one in total yards, Mike C says. Yep, absolutely. And, Michael, I'll just say this. Like, Trey Hawkins is really struggling right now. I can see it out there. He's really struggling. He had a great camp. Um, and, and listen, this doesn't this does not mean like we're not dumping on a player and ending his career saying that he's struggling. But and he's a late round pick. He's a young player. He's developing. But he earned and was thrust into a prominent role. And it's clearly a very difficult one for him right now. I don't blame him. Um, but when you're in that position, you got to make plays. Right. It's the NFL. Like it's the, it's the NFL. Um, so they're avoiding the big play by being so far back. Hunter says, yes, yes. Though, like, remember when Jalen Hyatt caught that 58 yard, uh, pass in the Arizona game to jumpstart the giants in the second half, they were playing off coverage. They had the corner dropped on Hyatt because they were anticipating his speed and he still ran by him. He still bla blazed by him. And Hyatt basically said, doesn't matter if they're off coverage up on me. It doesn't matter. We're going to, we're going to do what we do. And I love that confidence. But that's an example of why a defense would drop a corner as well. Al says, what did you think of Kayvon tonight? Um, you know, I saw some – I saw effort. I saw, you know, second chance rushes. I saw him trying to finish plays. Uh, his sack was a coverage sack, but it was also him staying with the play, um, you know, kind of coming free on the outside, being left free and getting to Brock Purdy before he could make a play. But, you know, it's not good enough from the Giants. I mean, watch Kayvon on the Christian McCaffrey touchdown run. He engages in a block and really doesn't even see McCaffrey until he's passed him across the goal line. You see him kind of clap his hands like he's trying to take on his man and then make a play, but uh, McCaffrey's already by him. So, you know, you're setting an edge, but you're also trying to set an edge, get off your man and, and help out on the ball carrier, right? So those are difficulties. Uh, just a reminder as we do this, guys, thanks for everybody for being here. Um, hit the like button, hit the thumbs up button if you can while we're doing this. Subscribe to this YouTube page if you don't already. When we're finished here, um, you can purchase Super Chats. Uh, you can pay money to have your chat and your comments highlighted, elevated to the top of our chat in our comments section. Um, it's a good way to get yourself heard for me to make sure I answer your question in a timely fashion. Uh, and to support what we're doing here as we do this, we do the talking ball podcast with Pat Leonard. I've been doing one giant step with Sean Marash for a couple weeks now on uh, Odyssey. 
And of course, all the work I'm doing on the New York Daily News website and on Twitter at P Leonard NYDN. Uh, let's see what else we got. Hunter says, what did you think of Holmes in the second half? Yeah, I love the energy Darnay brought. A guy who was scratched in week two. Um, he steps back in and I thought he made some good tackles. He had a good pass breakup. Um, you know, the Giants, Holmes struggles in coverage and he did have a holding another holding penalty in this game. But he is a pretty good tackler uh, down around the line of scrimmage and he plays with some attitude and he's got some leadership qualities, frankly. And the Giants need those kind of things. They need somebody that um, is going to finish a play and play hard nose, play tough. And um, I did like what Darnay did in this game. I agree with you there. That's a, uh, that's a, I'm glad you asked that Hunter, but again, it's hard to count on Darnay in coverage situations, right? That's why he didn't play in week two. That's why he's been kind of uh, buried on the depth chart. Interesting, you saw Cordell Flott scratched again in this game, healthy scratch. The Giants, we said this at the beginning of the season in training camp in the spring. Offensive line, secondary. Offensive line, secondary. Um, you know, if you're a Giants fan now, I think what you should focus on is watching the Seahawks this weekend. Um, I'd be interested to see how they look against the Carolina Panthers. Scout them. And just watch their offense, too, because as much as the defense is something that, you know, the Giants will probably be able to score some points, who knows how many. But I think watching Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense, they scored 37 on the Lions. If they're able to kind of run it up again on Carolina, I think I would be worried about that Monday night game. Uh, it's already going to be a tough game. But if they can, if the Seahawks are coming into this game with some mojo and cooking on the offensive end, that'll feel a little bit, uh, you know, uh, like more of an uphill climb for the Giants going into that game. Michael Knight says anything on Aaron Robinson? Nothing yet on Aaron Robinson. Um, I'm really not optimistic that he would get healthy and be suddenly become a huge answer for what the Giants need. Um, no offense to him, but I just he hasn't shown it yet in his career. So that's my take there. All right, guys, this has been great. Thank you, as always, for doing this. Um, thanks to the OGs, you know, Hunter, Doug, uh, Mark, uh, you know, Sivan, Al, you, you, we're really starting to build something here. Um, Sivan says, hopefully they fire Kafka soon off of play, awful play calling. Sivan, I really think that's as, that's Dable and Kafka collaboratively too, though. I mean, as Daniel Jones said, it's Dable's offense, right? So if Kafka's calling the plays, it's still Dable's offense. And I think they're working collaboratively on it. So um, I don't think it's as simple as that. Now, would it surprise me if they had a different offensive coordinator next year? No, it would not. That would not surprise me. Um, but, you know, I do think that, um, you know, like obviously Mike Kafka has been trying to get a head coaching job and um, has been hot name on that circuit. And then wouldn't surprise me, of course, if uh, there was some turnover on this staff. There was turnover at lower levels of it this year off of last season. We'll see what happens next year. Michael, thank you. Yes, safe flight home. We'll be flying home from San Francisco on Friday. And then next week, we'll have another Talking Ball podcast. We will have another live chat midweek. And then we will have a Monday night live postgame Q&A from MetLife Stadium after Giants-Seahawks, a game that now becomes the Giants really need to win because if they lose that game and go to one and three, how much confidence do you have in them going down to Miami and outscoring the Dolphins, right? So not to end it on a doomsday note, but we all knew coming into the season, this schedule was going to be rough 
and the Giants had an uphill climb to stay relevant in the early going. Not to mention, we keep talking about the Buffalo Bills and the Dolphins and the Seahawks, but after that, the Commanders look tough. Uh, the Jets' defense is tough. There's a lot to handle. So a lot coming, but all the content, all the analysis, all the injury updates, all the information right here on our feed. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for making this what it is, what it's becoming, and talk to you soon. Uh, remember, we are sponsored by Bet Online, and we are sponsored by Estate 98. It's an Essencia de Cafe coffee from El Salvador. Um, you put a tablespoon in a glass with some ice, stir it. Um, I drink it every time I do the Talking Ball podcast at my house. Gives me a nice little jolt, nice little burst. Um, and this has been a lot of fun. Um, Cassie, thank you. Al, thank you. Michael, appreciate it. Sivan, all you guys. Hunter, uh, really appreciate your time. And I will enjoy the rest of my time in Northern Cali. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.